Hello and welcome to the fourth installment of Chai and Biscuits. In today's episode, we are going to discuss one of the most interesting and drawn out sagas of Barcelona Football Club. How their biggest ever player left the club. We also go a little bit into the infamous levers and how in spite of having a reputation that they are broke, still managed to have one of the best transfer windows in recent history. Without further ado, Let's dig in. All right, now that we have our chai and biscuits ready, Rohit. Where do you think we should even start with this huge story? I believe we should start with the interview that Messi gave to Goal. Uh, usually Messi doesn't give any interviews. He's very shy and keeps to himself. And the fact that he came out, sat for a one-on-one interview with Goal uh, was groundbreaking. And uh, I think all of us were waiting to hear what was going to happen with his future. Let's just go over some major points from that interview. I think at this point, he had been telling the president that he wanted to leave uh, for almost a year. But all he heard back was that um, they would be talking at the end of the season. Uh, he had, uh, I think the contract was until 2020. And um, if he didn't inform the club by June 10th that he wanted to leave, then the club can um, extend uh, for one year. This meant that uh, if he wanted mm-hmm. to leave, there would be no release clause and he could go to any club without any problem at this point. Unfortunately, um, COVID happened right. <laughs> and the whole uh, football season um, schedule was disrupted. Uh, Barca yes. were in all competitions, including Champions League uh, at this point. So he didn't want this issue of uh, his contract obviously affecting his his form, his uh, teammates, uh, or any anything to affect the season as a whole. And he believed that uh, because the season was still going on, uh, he could basically just give this information that he wanted to leave at the end of the season. Right. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, Bartomeu, the president, didn't see it that way. He uh, understood it to be that at June 10th, which was stated in the contract. So he had to inform the club by June 10th. And uh, there was a misunderstanding in how basically the rule worked, because even though June 10th was mentioned in the contract, uh, Messi saw it as at the end of the season, but Bartomeu saw it as a specific date before which Messi had to inform the club. Yeah. So... uh, Messi could have taken the club to court, but it could have gone either way. So it basically depended on how the court would see it. And Messi definitely did not want to take his beloved club to court. Uh, And especially with the fact that it could go either way. So it would have just been a drawn out saga. At this point, he sent a fax to the club, uh, making it official that he would be leaving the following year. So the one-year extension came into account and by 2021, he would be leaving. That was his information to the club. But at this point, we're forgetting um, why 
Messi wanted to leave in the first place? Why did Messi want to leave his his club that he grew up in, where he became this huge global uh, world beater after 20 years at Barcelona? <clears throat> I think that's something that uh, a fan like Abhishek, who's been following it, who following the club for a long time, can answer. Yeah, Rohit, I think, uh, to be honest, I would start with by, by saying that that interview that Messi gave was... Well, it gave me a you know gutted feeling you know as a Barcelona long time Barcelona fan watching Messi grew up grow up with Barcelona playing all the in the youth team uh, and almost like making Barcelona compete at the top level uh, you know it was very bad but I also wanted to understand what factors would have you know forced Messi to be in that position where he has to leave his boyhood club his his club where he grew up you know so that kind of made me thinking and and you know there were cracks all over the all over the squad that in all over the seasons that previous seasons he was there first was that uh, defeat at roma you know which uh, kind of exposed the aging and demoralized squad that we had the same thing got repeated in anfield as well you know where Barcelona uh, were leading because of Messi, where he scored that amazing free kick against uh, Alisson. Yep, yep, and it was three zero, and we all had to do was you know see out that lead in Anfield. But you know there we were again uh, with the aging defense, Jordi Alba crying in the half uh, half time at the locker room. Uh, I think we all know that scenes. But I would like to, you know, focus back to the same thing, you know, what Messi had been seeing, you know. He didn't want to waste his prime years and with uh, with Bartomeu and, you know, mismanaging everything from basically contracts, you know, handing out contracts, long, super long contracts to players who didn't deserve it. And also buying players out of the blue, you know, uh, for so much money who didn't, without any plans whatsoever uh, in the team. For example, Coutinho. Coutinho was bought from Liverpool for 120 million plus, but there was no position for Coutinho to play in. Uh, so, so he got the sense of no, you know, squad rebuilding and the plan was just to buy the current biggest name out there, you know. Uh, so... I could understand why would Messi, you know, there were so many other factors like his wage being leaked to the media. You know, that's one of the factors too. He didn't want uh, his wages to be leaked to, you know, public, general public out there when everybody were, you know, in COVID scenario, everybody was dying and everything. So it was a bad scenario. So at this point, you know, Guardiola with his uh, super team in City were also winning and everything. And with Messi Guardiola connection, the world would wanted to see that. And I think that's at this point where Messi thought about his future, you know, like he could use his prime years or the remaining of his prime years with Guardiola and conquer the world or Europe again. So yeah, those rumors were circling and I felt that, you know, it was a time for Messi to kind of leave Barcelona. Uh, but I think uh, what you meant about um, the there was no plan for the f- mm-hmm. future of the squad. Yeah. Make a lot of sense because I remember there were a huge, almost every window there used to be some random player just coming in. I remember Paulinho from an ex Tottenham player just joining, playing a few mm-hmm. crazy games and then leaving to China. Um, uh, there was, uh, I think, a centre back from France, Mathieu, 
and he was there for a few years. He he played here and there. All all part of shady deals that Bartimeo had been doing for years. Oh, we forgot the Arthur and uh, Yannick uh, swap. Yannick swap. Yeah. Yep. swap deal with Juventus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was that. Yeah, some of these deals were crazy that uh, as a even as a fan of just football from another league, you're watching this thinking what exactly is happening? How 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 do they even have the money for it? Yeah, exactly. What is, and what imagine, is happening basically, you know? Imagine Messi yeah, living, living all of this and under, and seeing all of the back back room mess that uh, you know he had been seeing for all these years. I think at this point any person, yeah, even Messi would have, you know, thought about his future at the club. for sure for sure yeah for sure definitely some chaotic times for barcelona in 2020 uh, the, they just appointed kuman a uh, kuman for the season and uh, we all know how that season went so speaking about so moving back to our our topic barcelona uh, uh, football club how how they e- were evolving uh, speaking about the plans for future i have a wild theory uh the this i think like this big messi's interview was the first step of a master plan uh, to remove bartomeu from presidency and get juan laporta back uh the uh, the the facts from messi uh, along with the interview that we just discussed uh, and following that in october 2020 uh, more than 20000 club members signed a motion to remove bartomeu from the presidency so and and later later that week uh, bartemu and the whole board uh, submitted the resignation uh, and the res- because because the resentment had grown in, in the leadership worsening finances like we des- like we just discussed and uh, the decline on the pitch we i we forgot the 8-2 defeat in one league w- w- one leg se- uh, quarter finals in champions league in 2020 in lisbon uh, they lost 8-2 to bayern munich so uh things like this uh all all led to uh, i i feel it was a master plan uh to get laporta back so and coincidentally at the same time uh laporta started his presidential campaign and with his main manifesto of uh, uh messi staying that promising that messi will will stay and uh, and bringing an audit of finances to that bought light of so many shade, shady deals and as well as uh, how much the 600 million the club had losses on one thing you mentioned was that um, it the a to defeat it was act- one of the, i think a couple of goals were actually scored by cortinio when they i think he scored a hat trick <laughs> an ex player um, he was on loan from, from barcelona to bayern which mm-hmm. itself was a crazy and he came on a second half substitute as mm-hmm. well yeah continuation of these crazy deals and um, the 20000 club members that you mentioned so barcelona is one of these um um clubs that have a different ownership model and they they are basically not owned by a particular person or a group of companies but they're owned by their fans if i'm right yep yep that's true uh, it's it has been always been a member owned club and uh... I think Real Madrid and Athletic Bilbao are one of those three remaining clubs uh, in La Liga uh, right now uh, who are member owned. Um yeah, I think they're extinct extinct breed man. Mm. Yeah. You don't see many of them out there. Uh so yeah, uh, to brief our audience till now, uh, we discussed Messi's interview 
uh, we discussed a wild theory of this that being a master plan to remove Bartavu from presidency, uh, and then Laporta starting his presidential campaign, and we all know that plan worked out, right? Uh, the plan worked out, and Laporta came into presidency. He started working on his manifesto. He started working on his plans. Uh, the first one, obviously, to uh, the priority is for Messi to stay. But then the biggest twist in the story, Messi leaving to PSG. Uh, it, it was a shock as well as a very sad moment in Barcelona's history, their biggest player leaving. Uh, so what is this? What happened there? Why why was it, why was Laporta not able to keep his election promise? I think there was also a crazy rumor going around that um, Messi's new contract couldn't uh, be lower than fifty percent of his uh, previous salary. So uh, even if um, he wanted to play for free, would that even have been possible? That's something that uh, we were hearing. Like he would be ready to play for free, and. Um, this 50% uh, weird thing, some people, we accepted it as truth. We uh, pe- Some people didn't agree to it, like it can't be lower than 50%. I think there is um, uh, a rule that states that, um, that if a player comes from a top five league and has played a certain number of matches, uh, it doesn't matter what is agreed, uh, the amount of wages is, that is agreed and written in the contract. Uh, the registration body of La Liga takes about uh, 50% of the player's previous wages and checks that amount against the club's um, SCL. Yeah, the squad cost limit, basically. Yep. And lowering that amount is impossible without uh, extending that contract longer. Yeah. So and the maximum salary that uh, that increase can be is 30%. Agreed. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I think that rule applies only to uh, La Liga's second division, though. Yeah, there were a lot of fake or I would say bizarre rumors. And one of it's one of those where this rule applies to La Liga's second division, not the first division. So basically, first thing I would, I have a theory where uh, I think Laporta could have renewed Messi's contract. That way, uh, Messi would stay within the wage limit instead of, you know, signing him on as a new player which Barcelona couldn't do because of their wage bill and the second okay so yeah um so Messi could have play, uh, extended his contract basically yeah so the squad limit or let's say La Liga's economic control uh, for every season how it works I'll just give you a brief uh, summary for even for the listeners so every season La Liga clubs they have to have a budget for the upcoming season and from that budget uh, which will have the projected revenue for example 100 million and then you subtract your uh, non-budgetary expenses, like non-sporting expenses, including debts. So, for example, if you have a lot of debts that like Barcelona had because of the COVID and everything, whatever factors and mismanagement of contracts, the squad cost limit or the wage bill, uh, like it's all, always known, uh, was very low. So, what that mean meant was uh, any new player who would come in wouldn't be able to register for Barcelona or play for Barcelona if if they were not within the squad cost limit. So I think Laporta knew about this, but uh, he didn't, uh, you know, 
still didn't renew the contract, but I don't know. Uh, it could have been any of those uh, scenarios where he didn't have idea of how much Barcelona were in the losses. I think the mm-hmm. wages thing is so crazy because uh, over the last few years, uh, Barcelona was one of the first clubs to uh, have a revenue of one billion uh, in, in in just basically one million, I think, euros. Yeah, uh, one billion euros in revenue, which is crazy. And uh, I remember another stat around this time: more than ninety percent of this revenue was going towards wages. Am yeah. I right? Yep, yep. We have the world's uh, highest-paid goalkeepers, center backs, uh, midfielders, and attackers. You name it. Even Bartomeu was responsible for uh, Griezmann's contract as well, which would increase every year. So you would understand uh, that. Some of those contracts were huge. So when Laporta took office or got into the office, he saw that this mess was something that he has to make control. So I think in the back of his uh, mind, he had this huge uh, strategic plan, which he implemented from 2021 uh, to 2026. It's actually written in Barcelona's website as well. A strategic plan to recover Barcelona's financial mess. And in that, he plans to uh, implement uh, how do I say this a uh, wage structure you know a certain limit of wage structure so as we hear it now it's a it's a 10 million wage structure uh, so if people you sign somebody it should not be higher than 10 million is what is what they say but uh, don't every almost every uh, football club doesn't every football club have debt I'm sure it's not like 1.3 billion uh, dollars in debt like uh, Barcelona has but Arsenal uh, Arsenal has debt United have debt to their owners Um, so how is this different and why is it so big yeah uh, I think uh, it's a right good question actually Uh, so for the listeners I don't want to get into the statistics and the math but I'll just give you in a percentage wise of what that big 1.3 billion debt is so basically, what Laporta did was uh, he kind of managed all of the losses that the club had for the past two seasons into one uh, big long-term, you know, uh, uh, how do you say, loan, which he took from Goldman Sachs. So instead of paying every club for, uh, let's say, player transfers and fees, they're just paying Goldman Sachs with a certain interest rate. But to explain the $1.3 billion debt and what it is, I'll just say 40% of that debt is, which is like 400 million, is a lawsuits risk, you know, like future liabilities. Every club, uh, you know, like you said, Manchester United and everybody have to keep aside some of the debt for any pending lawsuits or uh, something that they might incur in the future. So in accounting wise, you have to keep it as a, a, a debt. So in that 400 million, only 90 million is high risk which means that there's a high probability that Barcelona will have to pay that money uh, in case they lose the litigation or the lawsuit. And the rest is a remote risk. Remote risk here doesn't mean that they will lose the uh, lawsuit, but it's part of that. And the other 300 million is, uh, you know, for uh, deferral of sporting costs. You know, in this summer, you probably heard of a lot of deferral of wages, which uh, Bartimeu actually signed. Uh, so did uh, Laporta. So what happened was a uh, lot of the money, there was no, not much income coming in due to COVID and losing on match day revenues. So 
uh, Bartim, you suggested you uh, defer a loss, uh, defer your wages. And out of that 300 million uh, is a uh, deferral of uh, cost, uh, you know, your wages. It could be loyalty bonuses, signing bonuses, or end of contract bonuses, you know, that make up that money. And the other 300 million is uh, player transfers, you know. So it's basically self explanatory at this point. Uh, when you purchase some player, you pay the amount uh, that is pending. But some people think, for example, uh, this summer, Barcelona have purchased Rafinha from Leeds and it was 50, let's say 50 million so the club has to pay 50 million to Leeds but that doesn't mean that the club actually pays 50 million on the day of the transfer it's spread out over a period of years this is all discussed between the clubs and they discuss the amount of amount every amount in a certain period like for example 10 million the first year 10 million the second year this goes on so these 306 million that was pending in the debt is from those purchase of players and uh, you know that's basically the i would say the percentage 40 30 30% of the 1.3 billion debt uh, that kind of compromises uh, barcelona's debt and uh, yeah like i said uh, i think most of this that is not current or payable right now so it was a genius stroke i would say from laporta's to you know uh, put this in a long-term uh, loan and the other thing I wanted to touch on I would say was uh, unlike other leagues in English Premier League or like Syria La Liga's financial control is more proactive you know which means that the league actively makes life very hard for any club that kind of violates these rules so uh, while let's say Chelsea or United like you mentioned had debts they face re- retroactive punishments if they don't stay under those financial rule like for example getting fined or league point deductions but spanish clubs they can't register new players unless they can generate additional renew uh, revenue or significantly cut costs for example like uh losing players of value of ansufati or pedri or gavi and i think that's one of the reasons that uh laporta instead of you know choosing to let go of these players you know high value players he added additional income to increase the squad bill so that he can register new players. So that's why Laporta had to pull those economic levers that we talked about much. Yeah, uh, I understand what you mean about the Engl- it being uh, different from the English Premier League because in England, we've seen a lot of these happening with uh, especially Rooney's Davi and uh, Middlesbrough. <laughs> And uh, even Rangers had to go into administration in the recent past. Yep. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about these levers. I've heard all all summer uh, window uh, about these levers. Uh, how Barcelona ha- has no money but still signs, uh, still keeps signing players. Uh, how Barcelona cannot register players. Uh, it was it it, it 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 there was a lot of talk about these levers. So uh, can you explain our listeners uh, we, who wants to know more uh, about these levers? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think this is the window of levers, uh, like you would say, uh, Sandy. But uh, for I would say that uh, these levers, like I mentioned earlier, were necessary to generate additional income. So as a public-owned club, you don't have a private owner who can come in and inject money into mm-hmm. your uh, 
let's say capital like uh, spurs did spurs enic i think spurs enic is one of the um shareholders for spurs and he i think they injected 150 million into the capital or revenue stream so that's something that barcelona cannot do so they had to sell some of their own uh, i would say assets to generate uh, cost to increase the squad bill or the wage bill so one of that uh, i think was uh, the i think three levers were approved by the assembly uh, and one of the first levers that was pulled was uh, selling uh, the tv rights for 25 year mm-hmm. long deal and it was it generated around 600 million odd um and the other lever that was pulled was selling minority share 49.9% of barca studios uh, to socios.com so these two levers kind of handle the you know made up for the losses uh, that barcelona had for the last past two seasons and they no longer had to you know comply with the uh, la liga's uh, i would say economic control for for the wage bill so as i understand it this is basically uh, in simpler terms uh, steps that the club can take um, towards bringing in more revenue so first step and because that was the first step wasn't enough a second mm-hmm. step that they had to take exactly. right yep yep and i think i have this analogy uh, you know when people ask me in simpler terms of how barcelona are still able to purchase new players with this much debt i have this you know example uh, in simpler terms which is like for example if you per- want to purchase a, your dream house which is let's say around 200 million dollars but 200000 uh, dollars and but you don't have that money saved up you take a loan from the bank that means uh, that, that that means that you are in debt already so but that doesn't mean that you cannot buy your food mm-hmm. or grocery right so you if you if you keep paying the bank your uh, mortgage every month and that means you can still purchase food and go on vacation maybe so these are the things uh, you know that kind of works in in the in the financial accounting world as well so there were two problems one is one what everyone thought is uh, was there was no money but activating these levers uh, you got the money to buy the players but then there was the second problem that we discussed in the beginning which is not able to register the players because of the la liga's economic or uh, rules uh, which were different to premier league yep uh, i think i think it is clear now uh, what do you guys think yep yep i think uh, there were many options you know like laporta could have gone for another option like signing 100% of tv rights uh, you know like they did in 2006 for like a 1 billion i think there was one of the mm-hmm. offer that came in as well which was put in the general assembly but they rejected it because since it was 100% of tv rights and tv rights generally increase year over year so signing that up for only uh, 1 billion uh, would have been a loss so that's why they went for 25% uh, tv rights that way even if uh, the in revenue let's say increases they would still get the majority of it and i think that's where uh, i would i would say uh, i would want to come into the fun part here because uh, rohit i think you have a good summary of what has happened you know what we have discussed till now so i would want to ask you uh, if you were the barcelona president in place of uh, mr juan laporta 
what would you have done would you have had you know uh gone for the levers like he did or you know like signing 100% of the tv rights for 10 years that he had or doing nothing you know just relying on academy yeah i think um it's you can see what kind of a situation that laporta um is in what a hard place he's in i remember when uh, if, uh, maybe last summer when um he was all doing all of these levers i had asked you um and you had said that he's in a sticky situation and he had to do something so which is why he had to do it so if i was in that situation <laughs> um i would do anything i could uh, to keep messy which mm. is maybe something that he tried to do um but looking at everything that he did uh <laughs> maybe i wouldn't have been as proactive and uh as clever as he was in basically bringing revenue from so many different situ- sources you know mm, other than the fact that i would have tried uh, to keep messy i would have um i would have probably uh increased my tv revenue or um sold my soul to the devil <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, that's what basically he did when he let uh, messi's uh, contract expire you know in the eyes of barcelona fans soul is soul is soul to the devil but i think uh, there are talks of messi returning uh, mm-hmm. then let's see what happens <laughs> but um but yeah i think i agree uh, i think messi letting messi leave was probably probably really really uh you know hard uh but i think i understand why he did that because messi's wage uh, comprised of i think more than 10% or 15% of the whole squad limit so as we spoke earlier in the uh, episode uh if you let's say remove uh, a player according to la liga's rules if you remove a player who comprises of more than 5% of your wage bill you can sign uh you can sign with 1 by 2 rule you don't have to sign with 1 by 4 rule so 1 by 2 rule is where for example if i'm signing let's say a 10 million player i have to make space for at least 20 million in my squ- squad or wage bill so with messi leaving we can do that but if messi didn't have to leave or for example griezmann didn't leave that means we had to do make space for 40 million in our wage bill Uh, if uh if you have to sign a 10 million player so it'll be like a 1 by 4th rule that la liga has in place so yeah i think that's probably why uh, laporta had to do it but in hindsight you know everything uh, you can look at all the decisions that had to be made but uh, i think laporta you know chose whatever he had to uh, with the assembly and all the votes that had gone in and he put those choices out there so i think all in all it has been pretty good because they were able to you know uh stay afloat uh, all this while yeah i i think uh maybe we can also think from messi's side where this is his last 3 or 4 years of playing and uh, if he has to reduce his salary by that much more than 50% of what he was earning then uh it it is it is unfair to ask 
anyone that right uh, no one will take that much pay cut so yeah true, uh, true. it was good uh, it was a good calculated deal for for all the sides and um, I, i feel everything was done to protect barcelona as an institute also so uh, that is sometimes to manage um, uh, big institutions you have to you have to take hard, tough decisions and laporta was this was one of the t- toughest decision that he had to take and maybe we have to give him credit to take that by for taking that decision too yeah I, I, that's completely true you you uh, a footballer's career is so short that it's very hard to basically ask him to uh, reduce his wages and um stay in a in a club where he didn't really see a future you know which uh, which is uh, something um that you don't really see in in footballers lives and and you come back to another interview that he gave when he uh, he was leaving and i don't think that is something that we could have seen the the emotion that he had for barcelona um when he was leaving you know the fact that we could see it in on display was something that uh, uh was so uh poignant to see at a point where uh players are going for so many millions and millions of dollars uh and are able to cut their ties for their club that they grew up uh with yeah uh, i think i agree also uh, but i'm also a firm believer of that i think every person should get paid for their talent or whatever they bring into the table and that goes across all uh you know i would say divisions or if you're working an employee if you're really bringing a lot into the table let's say you're a software coder or anything you deserve that amount of money and for what messi was bringing into the table i think he deserved that money and psg offered him that and he chose that i won't hold that against him as a fan as well at that point i would say you know why not if if barcelona's mm-hmm. you know future was not clear all right uh so uh, speaking about uh, money uh, i just remembered one other point that we didn't discuss was the uh, tv rights so we know that in premier league uh, the tv rights revenue is well managed uh, where a certain portion of a fixed revenue will be given to all the clubs that is very high so if you say a big club like liverpool or manchester united uh, uh, getting this much mo- amount of money a certain portion of their tv money every year consistently the same amount of money will come to nottingham forest who just got promoted to uh, whereas uh, i think it is different in la liga uh, barcelona real madrid are both very very huge in uh, if you compare with them to other clubs and the the amount of money that you get uh, if you are a club like almeria who just got promoted is different right so uh, but there was a cvc deal in place uh, where la liga offered um, uh, where and all the we know that all the 18 clubs signed the deal uh, to get a certain portion of uh, revenue uh, 18 think, or 17 yeah 18, i think, I think right? it's uh, 17 yeah 17 or oh, except the publicly owned companies except at uh, barcelona real madrid and athletic bilbao uh, so so 
why, why do we think they didn't sign the deal uh, i mean it it is a, it is a it is a revenue uh, source of revenue right uh, you get instant money too uh, I, but why didn't they utilize that opportunity to generate some more revenue and instead go with the levers there was a lot of talk on the cvc deal too and lot of yeah i think uh, most of the uh, the any i mean the major reason for rejecting that was it wouldn't solve any of the real issues that barcelona were facing about the squad limit or wage bill or the debt you know um, and it was for 50 years and cvc you know the partner who was bringing in this deal with la liga and javier tebas uh, you know la liga's chief uh most of the money would be on infrastructure uh, let's say 70% and the rest would be uh, on the squad uh, development so all that percentage and everything was uh, defined by cvc not the club so i would say the more power was given to cvc that was probably one of the main reasons that these three clubs uh, barcelona madrid and bilbao which you like you said publicly owned kind of rejected the deal and also the money involved it, it was for a for i would say little amount of money for a long amount of period you know 50 years is a long amount of time uh, who knows what will happen to the tv rights money after 50 years we are seeing a lot of rise year by year in premier league like you saw mm-hmm. uh, and same thing can be observed even in uh, let's say 50 years so i think it was right of both of all these three clubs to you know for me in my opinion to reject that deal yeah i think uh, one one thing i missed when i was saying about the premier league tv revenue was yes uh, we they have an astronomical amount of money that is consistently coming in and you also have additional revenue on top of it based on uh, how the club is performing so if the club starts performing well like the leicester city season uh, then they get telecasted more which means you are earning more money too so in that way um, premier league clubs are well managed there so uh, wh- one other thing that i wanted to ask you was about uh, the deals to the given by bartemu to uh, franky de jong pk uh, just before he left right and uh, this was also i think one of one other tough decision that he had to take even though it seems morally not right from an outside person point of view uh, but uh, they 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 went to court saying that they were illegal contracts uh, so uh, so we we all know franky de jong saga that happened in summer and um, like how barcelona want to redu- uh, want him to reduce the salary where he already deferred some wages last season so this these deals these deals right yeah. and uh, again laporta protecting the institute uh, uh, prioritizing barcelona over uh, players uh, players so w- what do you guys think about this so i think uh... we'll have to go back to what i said mentioned earlier in the podcast about the 380 million that was deferred in that 150 million or 160 million that was deferred was of these four players clement longley mark andre trestegen pk and franky de jong so what would happen would was that they signed the deferral but they would in, not just get the amount that they were owed but they would also get higher amount like the amount would increase over year so that kind of put the club back in jeopardy in and in doing that bartemu just saved 18 million 
so there was no point in you know doing that kind of deal and i think in what laporta you know did was uh, i would say uh, uh, take a lawsuit against the mm-hmm. previous board particularly bartomeu against these deals because in some countries uh, a special cause for mismanagement of finances is considered a financial crime so let's say for example if you're outgoing ceo and you sign some deals to harm the mm-hmm. institution it's considered as a financial crime and people who are coming in can you know uh, take you to court for it so that's what uh, laporta did but many uh, you know uh, i would say media and all kind of portrayed it as a uh, laporta taking action against their own players but that wasn't the case uh, i just wanted to make it clear though okay okay uh, got got it. uh so maybe we can uh, move from the boring finances topic to the transfer window uh barcelona had a fantastic <laughs> transfer window uh, uh and just just to uh, give you you have a forward line where on left wing you have uh, ferran torres and ansu fati for striking you have lewandowski and depay on on right wing you have rafinha and dembele with pedri gavi and busquets and also signing the best la liga defender for 2020 season in Jules Koundé and um, and you have the most promising defender in Araujo still getting out of cha- champions league group stage so <laughs> uh, what, what do you what uh, <laughs> uh, first thing is yeah very good transfer window right for squad rebuilding based on after messi leaving so uh, are you excited for the season and i know it's it's been pretty disappointing in champions league but um how 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 is the team shaping up i think uh, it's probably one of the most i think one of the best uh, transfer window we have seen in the recent history uh, considering you have named all of the signings that barcelona have made you know kunde and all uh, but the main thing was dembele renewing uh, for lower wages the second thing was uh, the free mm-hmm. transfers that barcelona were able to get like christiansen from chelsea uh, kessier from ac milan and bellerin hector bellerin from arsenal there so is marcus these, alonso uh, also you know mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, yeah, Marcos Alonso from Chelsea, exactly. But I think uh, it was a swap deal with Aubameyang for some amount. But I agree uh, that these uh, deals kind of, uh, I would say, strengthen a lot of positions and give a good, you know, options to Xavi for Xavi to work with. So all in all, I would say it was an amazing summer transfer window, and I would like to thank uh, Matthew Alemany for that because he was imperious in 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 that uh, window, and. Uh, the other thing i wanted to say was about the champions league yeah i think uh, a deep run i like i think by the time this window this uh podcast goes out we know that barcelona are virtually out of the champions league uh, this season uh, uh, uh while you know drawing to inter milan at home but uh, like you said araujo promising and jules kunde i think Uh, as you saw in the match in the champions league match uh, araujo kunde and everybody mm-hmm. got injured in the international break even frankie young just returned from his injury so he was not at his Excuses. full best uh, <laughs> for to start so i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep but i think playing pk from who's been our center back from 2009 and eric garcia who's little unproven in european uh, i would say competitions uh, was detrimental 
and having Marcus Alonso as well, you know. So we wanted to replace an aging Jordi Alba and we got Marcus Alonso to uh, play in this match because, you know, we didn't have uh, other our first starting defenders. So I think, yeah, all in all, I would say it was a really good uh, summer transfer window and I'm looking forward to La Liga, which is our main goal. And we are currently joint with Real Madrid on top of La Liga. So uh, I'm say, I'm, I'll say I'm glad. Uh, about the transfer window and I'm looking forward to La Liga and Europa League so watch out Manchester United and Arsenal and Arsenal <laughs> oh yeah I forgot about Arsenal I think Arsenal is a really good chance this time though Europa League yeah from where Barcelona were uh, over the last few seasons and the fact that they were still able to come out of this uh, chaotic uh, period of their history with players like uh, Fati with Pedri, with Gavi and um, Kunde and Araujo and and with experience of uh, Lewandowski and Depay and Busquets. Busquets. The fact that they're, uh, they're looking at Europa League uh, and the fact um, that Arsenal fans and United fans are looking at Barcelona falling into Europa League uh, with with more uh, anxiousness and, and uh, is, is 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 just crazy i think right yeah yeah i think we can speak on, speak hours on this topic uh, but it's time to end uh, we've covered most of the topics starting with uh, how messi had to leave the club followed by discussions on barcelona's finances how they navigated through the troubles how uh, through the troubles and and the wage structure issues and then a slight discussion on the transfer window i think this was a pretty good discussion uh, this when when we were uh, talking about doing this episode uh, we found that there was no one place to gather all this information so we thought this episode will will help uh, the people who are listening do that uh, at least understand what what Barcelona had to go through uh, and how they managed to come out of that difficult situation. So we hope you guys enjoyed this. And if you enjoyed this topic and would like to discuss this further, please post your questions, comments, and follow our social media channels for more of Chai and Busquets. See you. See you, See you guys. The next one. Thank you.